Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google's Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find us as well. So subscribe there and share it with somebody that you know loves Texas Longhorn sports. I'd also like to remind you of our friends over at the Texas Texas Houston chapter and their Texas Off Week Open Golf Tournament. We're like nine days away from this thing. We've been talking about it for a while. So if you haven't signed up, what are you waiting on? It's going to happen Saturday, September 28th. Surprise, that is Texas is bye week so you don't have any football to watch at least from the Longhorns it's going to start at 9 a.m. it's a shotgun style start with a four-player scramble uh, tournament and sponsorship information can be found over at texasx.com and I can't say this enough man all proceeds are going to benefit the Houston chapter scholarship fund which exists to just help somebody have an incredible experience at the University of Texas like so many of us were able to do uh, breakfast lunch and on-course snacks will be provided as well as plenty of adult beverages are available at that event as well and the marquee raffle I because this is, again, a fundraiser. It's going to be two tickets to the 2020 U.S. Open at Wingfoot in New York. You don't have to be present at the tournament to win. All you got to do is go over to TexasX's.com to purchase a raffle ticket, uh, and you have the opportunity to win one of those incredible prizes. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's growing out his mullet as we speak, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, yeah. Also digging deep through the closet for my singlet uh, to get my full Gundy on. No, I uh, this is all the nice things we said in our Monday show about how Coach Gundy's a stand up guy. Throw him out the window. It's uh, this is Oklahoma State. This is the 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 cowpokes. We're going to be cowpoking some fun. Uh, having some. Uh, no, that's not good. A, we're going to be having some fun uh, with the. Uh, with uh, the the team coming up here, I think um, it's time. It's time to get serious. Big Twelve play is opening. It's conference play, man. From from the start of the season, Tom Herman has said the team's goals were to compete for conference and national championships. So the conference championship competition begins this week with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They head to Austin, Texas, a place where they have had uh, nothing short of incredible success. Texas actually has a four-game losing streak streak against Oklahoma State. They've lost seven of the last ten, and I think Texas hasn't won in Austin since, like, 2008, which is just a ridiculous thing to say. Uh, So, Kyle, there's there's a lot... A uh, lot to unpack, uh, some injury updates, Colin Johnson, uh, Zach Shackelford, and Joseph Osai are probable to play on uh, Saturday. Shackelford left the Rice game after having uh, an ankle injury. He's had some troubles with that his entire career. Um, he's been held out of practice so he can kind of rest up. Uh, Osai had a shoulder injury. He's going to wear a brace, so he should be good to go. And Colin Johnson's injury feels like one that if it wasn't Rice, he would have played uh, against them a, a week ago and so I think uh, he, he's likely to be back Overshone and Foster will still be out so Kyle there's a lot riding on this game and we'll start um, let's start with the, the Oklahoma State Cowboys on offense because that's usually where they make their money they're 3-0 and after winning uh, against Oregon State McNeese State and Tulsa uh, carried mostly by their offense yeah absolutely and I, and I think um, there's there's two places that you look at when you look at this team where they are they are elite um, where they are potentially game breaking. And, uh, I think that starts, 
uh, for me um, with Tylen Wallace. I, I, I mean, not since William Wallace has there been uh, this this dangerous a Wallace to go up against. Um, no lightning bolts, I don't think, are shot from anywhere uh, out of his out of his body. But but he feels like it. He runs fast, catches balls, jumps high, gets open, beats good coverage to make things happen. Again, it's hard to say because they haven't played truly elite uh, competition up to this point. But he is averaging five catches uh, and a uh, 130 uh, per game, which is you know which is not so bad. Um, and and they got a little guy named Dylan Stoner who, if you put all your eggs in the stop Tylen Wallace, which is not an easy thing to do basket um, that he can just, you know, annoy the crap out of you underneath with um, surefire quick crossing routes that get him open um, and dig and dunk you. So um, I think, I think Tylen Wallace is, is, you know, in the air and uh, by land and sea by land uh, or by land and air, I guess um, is, is Chuba Hubbard, who a guy who, when he first came out of Canada, we kind of laughed at. Um, I made a lot of tub dumping jokes, um, with Chubbawamba, but he he is uh, quickly becoming a force in the Big 12, one of the best running backs um, that we might see all year. Uh, so I, I think the offense is dangerous, and Texas defense is, is going to prove a lot uh, on Saturday one way or the other. We talked a little bit about it on, on the recap show. The I think this is going to be a big matchup because the Texas – defensive line showed up a little bit against Rice and so I think them having to contain because everybody like talks about Oklahoma State as being a a, a kind of air raid you know spread the ball out team but Oklahoma State Mike Gundy has always been a run first guy and Chuba Hubbard is averaging nearly 200 yards like 173 yards a game like that's incredible now granted uh, that's floated by I think he had like what he capped it off with like an 80 or started off um, against Tulsa with like an 80 yard touchdown run so that helps the average quite a bit but I think that's where the Oklahoma State offense stops and starts because if they're able to be multiple against Texas then they have a problem now if Texas can cinch it up and stop Chuba Hubbard, then they're able to pin their ears back on the line and kind of get uh, a rush going. And again, Spencer Sanders can is a dual as a true dual threat quarterback. Yeah. He's not your your dual threat uh, as a backhanded compliment, meaning you're a runner. Like he's an actual dual threat, but he's also shown that he can misplace some balls if you get a hand in his face. So I think um, Oakland, it, it, I think that. Oklahoma State's going to want to establish the run early and often, and so I think that's the biggest the biggest differentiator for me. And then I think Texas is going to end up doubling Tylen Wallace, so you got to look out for a guy like Dylan Stoner, right? Who who is an incredible threat there in the slot because Oklahoma State is is playing really good football. Now, granted, they've had to come back against Oregon State, right, to win, and then they played McNeese State, and they played Tulsa, who no shot at Tulsa. They gave Texas a couple fits last year, but it, the 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 competition probably hasn't been as stiff as as it possibly could have been leading up to this game. Correct, but, but I mean, I don't care who you put out in front. We just talked about how Texas in our, our Monday recap, 500 yards back-to-back, it's tough to do. Right now, Oklahoma State is averaging almost 550. You know, that's... That's that's a lot of lot of lot of you know balls going through the air through the through the ground wherever they do it they are uh, they're ripping off plays um, in in scoring points and so um, it's dangerous it's uh, what what I what I think here will will help the Longhorns is I think Oklahoma State's offensive line should be good um, better than 
Rice, but I don't know that they are going to be LSU good. And so if it's somewhere in the – you're splitting the difference because I think Texas' defensive line actually looked pretty good in that LSU game. They, they held up against probably the stiffest competition they'll see all year um, and, and made some plays. So if they can um, – get some pressure on Sanders and force him um, to, you know, kind of make some some freshman mistakes to, you know, get hurried a little bit there to be scrambling. And, um, you know, we saw it with Sam Ellinger try to be the hero, make some hero ball plays. Um, that can be how you disrupt this team. Um, but you do have to, again, worry about putting pinning your ears back and going after uh, the blitz and then uh, a Chuba Hubbard well plays Hubbard draw. So it, it's it's a it's a fine balancing act. And I'll just say this. Gundy knows how to coach. I think the two games he circles on the calendar every year are Bedlam, which he knows how to get within three points of winning that every year, um, and Texas, which he knows how to motivate his guys to, you know, which are mainly Texas players, to feel the uh, feel the the Charlie Brewer type snub of not being offered by Texas and and give them that little collective chip um, on their shoulder to come after and come downhill and, and really play usually their best game of the season or, or one of their best games of the season always seems to come against the Longhorns. So Herman knows that it's not lost on him. Um, it's not lost that the fact they probably shouldn't have been, but last year they were number six heading into this matchup um, and got that knocked off um, in, in Stillwater with a 38, 35 loss. So, I mean, Herman knows uh, Herman likes to win big 12 openers. That's a, a big piece of his program building. So I think this is, this, uh, along with the LSU and OU games, are probably the three um, that, that he has had his uh, his mind and his eye on all offseason. So I'm excited to see what the counter-scheming looks like, uh, what type of game plan they're drawing up. I may or may not have gotten it confirmed from a reliable source that part of their pregame speech is that Texas didn't recruit you, so go out and show, prove them wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. I do live in Oklahoma. And I think part of, part of Texas's game plan needs to depend on 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 Malcolm Roach and Taquan Graham, I think not specifically for uh, their pass rushing abilities, but their abilities to to keep an edge. Uh, when when Tulsa was able to hem up Sanders a couple of times, it wasn't anything but a defensive end kept his outside arm free and kept him inside. And that's that's what they need. If you keep Sanders in the pocket and then have a spy kind of rocking in the middle, whether it's uh, McCullough, whether it's Osai, whether it's Mitchell, who's now listed as an or as the starting middle linebacker with Dele, like whoever that guy that draws that matchup in, if you can keep your your edges kind of, again, base, basic defensive end play, keep your outside arm free, don't get sucked in, keep contained. Um, I think Sanders is a different ball player if you keep him in the in the pocket and make him make reads and, and kind of do that whole thing. So I'm interested to see uh, how that works out. And I think, for 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 Texas, the the key is how does how does Sam Ellinger and the Texas offense match up with the Oklahoma State defense? Because um, I think we're in. I'm just gonna say we're in for a shootout. I think this is gonna be a shootout. I think it's gonna be a lot of points on the board. Um, Oklahoma State is giving up right now to again not so great teams. 387 yards per game, 225 on average through the air. They gave up four, almost 450, 448 to Oregon State and 396 to Tulsa. So they're giving up a lot of yardage, not a ton of points though. So doing that big 12 bend, but don't break situation. But I think some of that, again, I think it may break depending on the talent. Oregon State's best. I don't know. He may not be number one in their depth chart, but so far this season, best receiver that I've seen the most from is five foot five. Um, he had a, a, a you got Moss level catch uh, last week where he caught over a dude you know quite a bit taller than him. Texas has four dudes a foot taller than him. You know, it, 
it's going to be different. Um, no, no shade on any of those teams, but this is going to be 200 yards better than the level of offense they've seen. I'm not saying we're going to put up 687 yards or whatever, um, but it's going to be 250 yards better than any talent-wise uh, team they've seen so far this season. So um, they might just blow the mullet right off the neck uh, of Mike Gundy with, with the way that Texas looked. Um in the second half of the LSU game and all, and all um, really, you know, 38 points worth when the ones were in. Um, hey, man, why not get another 38 to zero and pull the starters? <laughs> let's let's really rub their noses. And I don't think that will happen, um, but it would it would make me feel wonderful. So, I mean, I, I think I think um, I think that Texas offense and, and we really talked in the rice pre, uh, recap about reestablishing the ground game, um, I think. Attacking them with a balanced attack where um, you can get a running back who's moving and getting that and, and give um, some misdirection looks. Like, again, that wheel route to Roshan Johnson um, w- w- was off of a play action and, and a nice uh, deception from Sam. If we can get those looks, get their players who are kind of eager, like we said, gassed up, ready to prove something, to try to jump routes, to try to do things, to um, follow Sam's eyes and then give up the wheel route or the, you know, the backdoor seam or whatever. Um I think there's some big plays in this one. We've seen more explosive plays from the Texas offense through three games uh, than we did all of last season. And I think that trend continues. I think it's going to go both ways, but I think Texas um, will, will be explosive. And I think you're going to see some fun um, 40, 50 plus yard plays from that offense. Texas has to establish the run for the run pass options to work. And I think the run pass options have been some of their best offensive Mm -hmm. weapons this year. I mean, Malcolm Epps, should have had a 50-yard reception that got called back on a questionable, uh, ineligible man downfield call. That's a play that that's a flag that doesn't get thrown uh, in Big 12 play. So I think they have to establish the run in order for the run, and, and not the Sam Ellinger run, not the not the oh the quarterback's gonna like. I, this is gonna be a long Big 12 season, and I know Texas is going into a bye week after this, but. There's no reason to put your Heisman caliber quarterback out there unnecessarily. Like, I'm not saying don't call. If OSU is getting mad aggressive, then by all means, run a quarterback draw and punish him. Yeah. By all means, run a, run a quick screen and Sam's going to take a hit. Like, I, I get that. But, like, th- them calling QB power needs to be out of the playbook. And it needs to be Keontae power. They need to run some trap blocking. They need to get Roshan in the game as quickly and as often as they can. And hopefully they can establish the run and keep some balance. One thing I would really like to see, um, this week a little bit is, is going with the, the empty set, um, especially on money downs on, on third downs, um, where, you know, you have so many options to attack on quick, short routes, but you also, when you go empty, whether it's motioning the back out, like they did a couple times or coming out in a truly, um, five receiver set or four in a tight end, um, it makes the defense make a decision. And if you, Sam Ellinger has been so good this year when the defense has to make a decision at hurting you the other way. Um, again, those RPOs or whatever it is, but if, if it's, if it's third and third and four and you come out an empty set and you say, okay, we're going to stop the pass. We're going to stop that quick little hot route to DuVernay. We're going to stop the little slant uh, here. Sam will just go ahead and pick up five with his legs. If you, if you give him, you know, an even matchup and that's, that's that balanced, pick your poison offense that we've been wanting to see from Texas. And I think, you know, I think for LSU, they busted it out. 
for OU, they'll have to bust it out. I think this is another game that you're going to pull out a couple, a couple tweaks, a couple stops. You're going to show some things. You're going to, you're going to dig into the playbook. You're not holding anything back here. This isn't Rice. This is, a, this is a real game that you need to win. One of your tougher um, kind of games of the season that you that you need to get. So I'm really excited to see what Beck has uh, up his sleeve. How's the offensive line going to hold up? I think is another big question I have as far as the Oklahoma State matchup. Oklahoma State had eight tackles for loss against Tulsa, which is a big number. And now, again, they only had three against Oregon State, which is probably still not as good of an offensive line as Texas is going to boast. They're also averaging two sacks a game again, but they only had one against their Power 5 team that they played. So it's it's a bit of an up and down. Uh, but, but the offensive line, again, Shackelford is expected to be back for the game. He's, he's a probable is, is what he's been listed at all week. Uh, so I, I really like that's the matchup for me that I really want to see as far as what the keys for success. Cause you saw what Texas was able to do against rice, just massive. Like you and I could average four yards a carry uh, against rice with what the sure. offensive line did. Sure. So I think that's going to be something to, to really watch for Texas moving forward. And the other key thing to watch here is we talked about in our preseason um, podcast when we, we looked at this team uh, last year, they weren't a great defense by a lot of metrics. They were in the hundreds and scoring defense yards allowed total defense. Um, but one thing they did was get after the quarterback. Like you said, they're averaging two sacks a game um, so far. Uh, but remember they're replacing basically their entire um, front. They, you know, Jordan Brailford and Jarrell Owens had, had, you know, 19 uh, basically half of all their sacks. So, I mean, they have a scheme, that they know how to get after a quarterback, but they may not be as good even as they were last year when Texas was able to put up 35 points with an offense last year that was not as good as Texas looks this year. So I think if Texas comes out, plays their game, stands tall, keeps their chin up, goes punch for punch with that Oklahoma State offense and just continues kind of like in the LSU game to score, um, I think Texas defense, or I'll say this, I think the Oklahoma State defense will break before the Texas defense and get a stop Um the Texas defense will get a stop sooner and that's where Texas will pull. It could, it could go seven, seven, 14, 14, 21, 21. They could exchange jabs, but I think the Texas defense will stand up and get stopped before that Oklahoma state defense. And I think that that's fair. Cause I really do think that when you look at, when you look at the first 22 guys, uh, for for both teams, I think Texas has has an has an advantage, but I think Oklahoma State is a is a team that's going to get coached up. But I think as you look at when when you're going to need some twos in there, when you're going to need to maybe strategically sub a three in there, I think that's where Texas has an advantage. And so I think you're absolutely right. I think you know rounds you know one through seven if you're going boxing, right? I think they'll go jab for jab, but then you'll see really where the difference makers happen when when you need to go the distance and so let's let's talk about that Kyle I want I want to what do you think is going to be a differentiator for Texas if if Texas is going to come out with a W in this game what do you think is going to be a key differentiator for the Longhorns Uh, a key stat I'm looking at is how many uh how many receivers on the Texas team get let's say four catches um you know is this a, a Duvernay needs needs thirteen? Colin Johnson's going to go off for for ten catches, um, or is it that that Dev the Duve is going to get he's going to get five or six, and, and Colin Johnson's going to get five, and Jake Smith's going to pull out six in the slot with a couple long seam routes. The Eagles is going to get back to doing what he does 
is Texas going to be able to use all of their weapons? If 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 I see that trending that way, I start to feel really good that it's a Texas day. That whoever they line up out there, whatever package they're in, if they're hitting it. If, if Ellinger is at 70% completions again like he was uh, so far this season, then, then I start to feel really, really good. And I feel like it's Texas's day. See, and I think for me, I think Ellinger is going to get his no matter what happens uh, in this game. So I think the differentiator for me is I think Keontae Ingram hits about 75 yards. I think if Keontae can hit about 75 yards on the ground, he probably comes up with a touchdown, and that forces Oklahoma State to respect the run. And I think when when you have to respect the run, when you can't just play three or four guys in the box and then put all of your defensive backs in coverage, I think that's where Texas has a clear advantage. I think if... Again, Keontae cracks off one early or cracks off a couple of decent ones early. That that's going to change the entire tone of the game. So I think if Keontae can can hit, he has like four and a half yards of carry and hit about 70, 75 yards, I think Texas uh, probably comes away with a win because that's forced Oklahoma State to continue to play multiple on defense rather than force Texas to be a pass-first team. And then the when you force a team to be one-dimensional, the advantage swings automatically to the defense. Like, that's, that's how football works. When you force a team to abandon 50% of the offensive production, then the pendulum swings to the defense's, uh, the defense's advantage, which is what has happened in the last several years against Oklahoma State. And so I think that's going to be a key as Texas is going to have to establish the run uh, in order for Texas to come away with the win. And so I think that naturally leads into my favorite segment we do every week in firing Smokey. So Kyle, what's your prediction for Saturday. What's one thing you're, you say is going to happen? We both got close last week but didn't quite hit it. Let's try to hit it this week. That's right. The the, the Podstradamus of last season where I was really just firing off takes. You could take them straight to Vegas. Uh, I think it's making a comeback this week because I'm not going quite so ambitious. 100 yards for the first time in his career and a touchdown was a lot. Should have got there, honestly. But I'm going to take what I think to me is an absolute no-brainer. I think that two things happen in this game, and it's these two things that lead to a very easy Texas victory. The the easier of the two I'll start with first. I think Texas gets 500 yards offense for the third game in a row. I think, you know, like we said, they did it back-to-back games heading into here. I think they get 500 total um, because I do think it's going to be a shootout. But the second one that I think is a little more difficult, but to me, this means, again, that it's Texas's day is that they win the turnover battle, meaning they protect it on offense and they do something on defense that we like to see. It's incredible that for the second week in a row, your and my firing Smokey actually align. I think a starting defensive back for the University of Texas will come away with an interception. Nice. They have not yet this year. Right. Uh, Joseph Osai leads the team with <laughs> two interceptions, <laughs> which is just incredible. But I think it's going to probably be a safety. I really think Caden Stearns is probably going to break the seal on it this weekend. Now, if you make force me to be specific, however, that's not my prediction. It's just that a Texas starting defensive back will come up with an interception. But I think one of the safeties is going to have to make one of your, one of your um, you know, they may not both be captains back there, but I think they it's Stearns is an unofficial captain for yeah. the defense. Uh, I think he's going to come away with one of those incredible kind of center field plays that he makes so, so incredibly well. But one of those guys we saw it uh, in the rice game where Texas had a sure pick six that mm-hmm. was dropped. So I think that that seal is going to break and that's going to be the stop Texas needs to kind of take, take control and take momentum in the game. 
Man, I like that. Maybe at some point we should discuss these beforehand so we don't end up saying the same thing. But we did have a nice divergence. I think we covered it all the way right there. That was nice. I like that. You're, you're hearing it raw here, folks. These are all uh, kept under a, you know, a very secret black box until we say them live on air. So fantastic. I think all of those things come true. And by black box, he means we just don't put it in our 500 words of pre-show noting. <laughs> <laughs> so Texas takes on Oklahoma State uh, Saturday night in the prime time spot, 6.30 p.m., on ABC. Check it out. If you're in Austin, just go. Like, if you don't have a ticket, just stink and go. Scream outside of the stadium. I bet if enough people get there, they'll bring out the big TVs again. I don't know. I heard that was a fun time for folks in Austin. If you're there, go. Be loud. Enjoy. Enjoy all of the pregame festivities and give Texas. I think that's going to be just, I know we're wrapping it up, but I think that's going to be the difference for Texas this year is that in the past, Texas hasn't really had a true home field advantage. Mm -hmm. Like, Texas finally has one, and Oklahoma State hasn't really played in Austin since Texas had a legit home field advantage. So I think that's going to be a differentiator as well. Yeah, having the ABC night game with the Herb Street Fowler, uh, Maria Taylor combo for two two games in three weeks uh, tells you everything you need to know. Uh, every person who wasn't a part of the UT football program, and there were a lot of them who were in for the LSU game, left saying, I've been to Texas games before. It's been a while. It's different. It felt different. Again, Iowa State last year. There have been some great games already in the Del Conte era, but that LSU game, and I'm hoping this Oklahoma State game, continue that being different, being this rabid. Uh, and speaking of different, I think Del Conte tried to solve the uh, the um, entrance process for students based on feedback because that's what that dude does. He just gets it right. Um, but So that will also be different. So hopefully everyone will get in uh, safely and, and exciting. But, uh, but yeah, so... It's going to be a good one, but now I want to get into my favorite segment. We moved it this week to Thursday because we did get quite long with our our rice recap, and we we don't want to you know two shows we don't want to hit you with any that are over an hour if if we do our job right. So we moved again into here, and maybe this is where it fits. We'll see. We're workshopping it, but burnt orange lenses is what you all come to the podcast for is to hear not just the UT news, but the UT flavored. Uh, view that you look at the rest of the world. So I'm going to start in the NFL with a couple uh, Longhorns for Life who are doing fantastically. And you can't start this segment without talking about uh, linebacker Jordan Hicks, who currently sits second in the NFL with 25 tackles through two weeks, though we are playing Monday Night Football right now. I guess that could technically change, but uh, nonetheless in the top few, top two right now with 25 tackles. Utterly fantastic. Jordan Hicks, one of those guys who is absolutely going to have a better NFL career than UT career. In that era of Longhorns, unfortunately, there's a couple of them. So the uh, the 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 next NFL piece that I love, maybe my favorite thing of the week, Marquise Goodwin had a 38-yard touchdown catch that, again, if, if you or I were that wide open, we could have walked it into the end zone. Didn't need his blazing uh, speed necessarily because he was just wide open. But the one thing he did that you and I could not do is his uh, his beautiful patented long jump celebration that he actually uh, holds Olympic medals for. Um, he uh, he started somewhere on the B in Bengals, and I don't know if he actually landed on like the L, but he cleared a couple letters. You, you should go Google that. Um, it was pretty fantastic. He got he got like toe. I think you measure long jump by the heels, right? Yeah. I think the heels probably hit the 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 a but i think the toes were pretty close uh to the l if i had to if i had to put a put a fine point on it unofficial non-olympic judging there folks but uh if you think it was something different hit us with a tweet on the replies of texas keeping the nfl theme which i like again this is a 
Big 12 program that's producing NFL talent. You heard it here. Uh, my boy Chuck Oman, Mr. Omenahu, with a strip sack in his first career game. He wasn't inactive in the Texans opener against the Saints. Um, there's a uh, Jadavion Clowney-sized hole in that Texans defense. And so far, uh, one sack, and again, strip sack, even better, uh, in a very narrow Texans win that needed every big play they could get. So uh, Omenahu looking like he belongs. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Well, at least I was. I'm shopping around for a new fandom because it's been 33 long years and I kind of just want it to be over. So maybe, I don't know, Chuck, Chuck playing well. I've always had an affinity for the Texans. So maybe maybe Chuck playing well will get me to get me to cheer for them uh, moving forward. Come on over. My wife is a diehard Texans fan and she brought me in since I've been in Houston. It's kind of have to do it. So I, I'm happy to share it with you. Um, moving down to the to the collegiate ranks with the guys who were forever Longhorns, spent some time here and moved on. Um Shane Bichelle, we've been giving some good updates with him. He he won the Eric Taylor, which school is the Methodist School of Texas? I'm rewatching Friday Night Lights. That's TMU. Um, that's Texas State. He won that uh, showdown 47-17, to 17, obviously topping the lowly Aggies who could only manage Kellen Mond to get 41 points against that uh, fearsome Bobcat defense. So clearly Shane Bichelle better than Kellen Mond. I mean, the, the, guy, the guy's a heck of a quarterback. He got beat out by a guy who could likely end up in New York, not once, but twice. Um, so I'm all than seeing him get to end his career uh, on a high note. And speaking of, there is a big matchup coming up uh, in a couple weeks with uh, with him versus former coach Charlie. We'll talk a little bit of that more. But Charlie, off the snide, the other Chuck, our boy Coach Strong, uh, got a win against the mighty South Carolina State, um, which still counts. They all count the same in the W column. It, hadn't he lost eight straight at that point? I think that was the was the record. So yeah. uh, snapping an eight game losing streak, like come on, Chuck, come on. You're a great man. You may not be a great football coach. Turning point, you know, all wins from here wins out the rest of the season. I don't think it happens, but could be fun. Um, a coach who unfortunately switched his luck uh, in the in the in the bad way, I guess. Uh, dear friend Mac Brown has run out of coordinators to embarrass. Uh, fell to Wake Forest, twenty four to eighteen. Didn't get his patented and Dominican Sue one second back on the clock. One of my favorite Texas plays of all time. Um, probably should have, honestly, but led a really valiant 15-point comeback in the fourth quarter. There's something cooking down there in rally, and, and I'll give it to Coach Brown. This team feels night and day different. Um, we we traded and got Larry Fedora on our staff, and he seems to be doing pretty good things, and, and they seem to be doing wonderful with Max, so I guess it is one of those rare everybody wins. Also, just keeping up with the, the college teams that we have an eye for. This year, obviously, you should be rooting for LSU no matter uh, AC gate or not, because uh, Texas uh, looks better, the better that LSU looks, right? That's their quality loss, if those are such a thing. But they, they win big this week against really a no one. They, they again, had a halftime uh, burst out in the second half and, and just ravaged uh, Northwestern State. But they should be, if all things can go as, as expected, 5-0 and when they roll in to uh, take on the Florida Gators. Um Florida's wildly overrated, so that should be 6-0. and And then I think one more game before Bama, which should be a really wild one if they're 8-0, uh, as is Alabama. So, you know, you don't have to love them, but you should root for them. Um, and and the, the, the team that uh, clearly you don't want to see, you can root for them, root against them, you can do whatever you want, but if it's week one or two, they are the pre-early season monsters. Uh, Maryland came crashing down to earth with a loss to... Their Maryland, 
Temple, who has beaten Maryland in the last two, 17 to 20 this time. So the Terrapins seem to be back to earth. Uh, turtles can't fly. <laughs> I, I have no ill will towards Maryland. Like, what what are you going to do? Like, they... <laughs> They came out and beat you, so continue. They did it. Um, the Big 12 Conference, by the way, is the only league in the FBS without a team with a losing record. Uh, went 8-2 and two this week uh, with Iowa State losing a uh, a tearjerker, uh, rear clencher, heartbreaker, uh, 19-18, to 18, which is the most um, Cyhawk, I believe that rivalry is called, uh, score of all time, just very Iowa- Iowa Kirk Ferentz um, it, it patented the the last year's Tom Herman dole out as few points as possible to still get the win game. But uh, they and Texas Tech, who lost twenty fourteen to Arizona, only teams uh, to lose this week in the Big Twelve. The big ones: Kansas State beat Mississippi State again, showing the Big Twelve owns the SEC. Uh, Kansas beating Boston College, probably the game upset of the week. Um, even our meekest and weakest will take your uh, your run of the mill. Maybe maybe upper upper middle of that uh, that conference a, a good good win for for kansas though on the road i think gerald you and i were something in like you know ninth grade or 10th grade the last time that uh that kansas won on the road i don't actually know when uh what year i was but anyways it was a long time ago um so good for them uh really happy for the jayhawks and then um ou beating ucla is basically an fcs team at this point ucla is very very bad it's the chip kelly or or chuck strong who has a job at the end of the season bowl um and then uh west virginia who's looked a little up and down maybe maybe looking good this week though beating nc state who people thought um might be as good or even better than last year where they were a pretty above average team and then tcu topping purdue uh again who have rondell moore who himself usually accounts for about 300 yards of offense from the receiver position so it may be a good win yet to be seen how good purdue is but um shows some strength in the big 12 and shows that nothing is given for the longhorns as we kick off this big 12 conference slate i gotta be really honest with you i had a big struggle with the the tech arizona game uh because i like kevin sumlin when he's not at texas a&m agreed and so i like and i like khalil tate so that was a struggle for me. Obviously, I want to see the Big 12 do well, but you know, Texas it, it's like betting against Texas in the uh in your March Madness bracket, you know? If if they win, great. It makes the conference look look better. If they lose, awesome. I hate all of them. So it's cool. I'm never rooting for Texas Tech. I hope they lose all their games, but somehow the Big 12 still looks good. I don't know. I'm still working it out. But no, I definitely wanted Arizona to beat the snot out of them. Well, that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. We have a, uh, if I do so myself, a pretty good, uh, pretty good Oklahoma State poking some cow poking fun at uh, at Oki Light this week. Love a good pun. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can also check me out on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, where we talk uh, movies and comics and video games and all that fun stuff. If you're into nerdy stuff, we're talking some things that you may have missed in the last uh, couple of months in a Don't Sleep On It episode. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Tylen Wallace, you're no William Wallace.